Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk Seahawks podcast. I am your host, Robert Smith, along with my co-host, Adam Stellman. And in this episode, we're going to react to the game that we played week four at the Detroit Lions. Hey, Adam, let's talk Seahawks. Yeah, and there's uh, there's a lot to talk about. It. Uh, certainly, a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of plays in this uh, in this game. Uh, to start off, I got it. I got it way wrong. Uh, I uh, last week uh, I said I thought this was going to be a uh, fight in the trenches. Uh, I didn't see a, a ton of high scoring because I thought, well, you know, our our offense uh, it has looked good, but also looked bad sometimes. I thought that the Lions' defense, even though it was down a few key players, was going to be able to hold us somewhat in check. And uh, I certainly thought that uh, because of their offense being out so many guys, our defense was going to have a better day. I was wrong on both counts uh, because uh, there was no defense in this game. The highest scoring game of the week, uh, 45 uh, for the Lions, 48 for us. Thank goodness. So we, we squeaked out a win there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, lot, lots lots, of plays to talk about. Just off the bat, uh, I, I, I think we can, we can put to rest the Geno Smith uh, is the reason we're losing games because that man played absolutely lights out. I mean, he was, uh, he passed for several yards. He ran for almost 50 yards. He ran for a touchdown. He was spreading the ball around. Everyone got involved. Uh, the, the, the odd man out, quote unquote, would have been Tyler Lockett, I guess, if you're talking about the big, uh, the big things on offense. But Tyler Lockett still got his yards. He got his catches. Had a couple of great shots in the end zone that we, we couldn't quite take advantage of. Uh, that is the one knock I'll say on Gino. He doesn't, uh, his touch on the ball isn't quite there. Uh, he doesn't seem to vary speed or, or uh, arc depending on who he's throwing to. Uh, and when you have one guy on your outside that's 6'4 and one guy on your outside that's 5'10, uh, that can become important. But still, uh, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem to be affecting his connection with, uh, with his receivers. So, yeah, you know, great observations. I think he played lights out. I mean, if he keeps this up all season, people are really going to question if the Seahawks are even going to draft a quarterback. Let's let's put that to rest. They need to. They are. They're they are. They're going to draft a quarterback. Yes, they need to draft a quarterback, but they do. Now that means maybe we're comfortable having a young guy sit for a year or two and learn. And I think sitting behind Geno Smith is a great place for a young quarterback to learn. So, I see positives across the board. Uh, for those of you who yeah. may have missed the game, uh, you should definitely find a way to go watch that game. It was great to watch. Uh, you will laugh. You will cry. You will moan. You will complain. You will cheer. It will be fantastic. This one, this was a high scoring venture. I think it's actually the highest scoring game of the NFL year up to this point. It, 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 is, it is indeed. Yeah, we'll see if that continues. That is a pretty high scoring game. Uh, my initial reaction is that the uh, offense started clicking. It was fa it was great. I love to see it, especially after uh, week two. <laughs> and uh, the fact that up to this game, the Seahawks offense had not scored a touchdown in the second half all year. So definitely look, looks looks bright, we'll say. Yeah, I think I, th I saw something really funny. Uh, we we, we uh, there are posters being uh... Uh, taped up around Seattle right now saying, have you seen this man? And their pictures of Michael Dixon, uh, because this is the first game in a while that the Seahawks didn't punt. We were in scoring position every single drive this game, whether that be a field goal or, you know, a touchdown. 
we Michael Dixon got to take the day off. Good, good for him. He's a hard worker. He's been doing really, really good for us. So I'm, I'm you know, I hope he enjoyed his rest day because he didn't, uh, he didn't take the field not once. He still got to play a little bit. He got to hold some. Sorry, I did forget. He is the he is the holder for, for Mr. Myers. Uh, so. So I guess him and he got to come out and, and uh, hold the ball for Jason a couple times. Uh, I would have liked to see maybe you know get the man involved like a trick play. You know we were close enough a couple of times instead of going for just a field goal. We could have we could have tried to do a little trick play, but uh, you know that, I guess we just leave that to the Lions uh, who uh, <laughs> who pulled one on us uh, on a punt. Yeah, that was uh, that was the only knock I think I have on special teams today was no Michael Dixon and uh, and we we let them sneak a uh, a fake punt by us. But special teams looked really good today. Yeah, with the exception of one big old shanked uh, field goal there by Myers, uh, I believe may have had something to do with uh, having that uh, Carson Tinker there under uh, as the long snapper. So, but you know, chemistry will develop. It, you know, that's going to be a work in progress. But uh, but for the most part, yeah, special teams was uh, was was solid. Um, you know, they no no long no long punt or uh, or kickoff returns for for the Lions, which was nice to see. Uh, which means people were, you know, maintaining their their gaps and 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 actually wrapping up on tackles. Same cannot be said for the defense on either side in this game, um, but uh, but ours especially. You know, the 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 problems in the run game or stopping the run seem to be continuing. Uh, going back to special teams real quick, I guess they if I'm nitpicking here, Belor just crossed the line there at the end when the Lions were onside kicking, and uh, there's a chance that kick may not have traveled the full ten yards. But he decided to go. Uh, there's not. There's not, not just a chance that that kick did not travel the full ten yards. Well, and part of that is because Belor touched it at eight and a half yards, which is what I'm, I'm wondering if because his back feet were past the ten yard line and his and his hands and the ball wasn't. I wonder if maybe they're just counting that as an extension. Uh, you know, if 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 we count you know him as an extension of the ball in that play, then it did travel ten yards. Well, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to travel ten yards if the receiving team touches the ball. You know, but that's that's nitpicking. That's something they're definitely going to work on in the film. Yeah, I guess that that it's is okay. the one thing because the 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 Lions could have easily come up with with the the. I, I'll, I'll say this before we I don't want to get into any negatives, but we could have easily lost this game. Uh, and considering how well the offense is clicking, I think that tells you that, that the problems on defense are still pretty glaring because you know the, the Lions were without uh, almost everybody uh, <laughs> on offense. That's that's obviously a giant exaggeration, but down their top uh, three targets. Uh, on offense, they're not either running back and their first and second wide receivers. Um, I mean, I guess TJ Hawkinson's probably still high on that list of of, uh, of targets, but you know, it came down to the wire, like like most of the games have this year with the Seahawks minus week two. But yeah, we uh, we were putting up points in bunches, and yet we still could have easily come away with an L in this game. But uh, speaking of putting up points in bunches, uh, I mean, wow, uh, there were just some some great great plays. Uh, DK was dominant. Uh, he he, Okuda had I think maybe one one blocked uh, or or one pass defended when he was covering DK. Every other time it was a catch, uh, and usually a catch for some good yards. Uh, DK would just dominated. Lockett again was open on pretty much every play. I do really want to highlight. We need to talk more about I think the run game and the tight ends because once again, we opened up with utilizing those tight ends i think that we the the plays that were we were using right away were just motion along the offensive line whether that was a, a tight end going into the backfield and then coming back out or going into the backfield and staying um and then looking like he was going to be a lead blocker but then we go the opposite way those plays are working great so uh 
good on Waldron. I think this was a really well played game on offense, or called game on offense, and he stuck with what was working, which is a first time thing. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, I think they were definitely trying to take advantage uh, in certain areas where they could. Uh, like you were saying, the Lions were definitely short a bunch of people. Their injury report was really long. In fact, I think they they started the water boy and that independent neurologist that lost a job this week. Uh, I think both those guys were starting for the Lions because they just couldn't find anybody else to fill those roles. Obviously, I'm joking, but it's it's funny how the loss of a key few key players uh, can impact a team. And you want to think, hey, the Lions put up 45 points but they were missing three of their top weapons. Yeah. You know, like I said, just looking at that, there's some good things, there's some bad things. I think everybody's right to be excited over what we saw. It was a good game, especially for Seahawks fans. Yeah, I think there's a lot we can pull from this. I think we should probably look at the negatives first, though. Uh, try to end on a, on a high note. Sure. Uh, so what are some of the negative things that you saw that you think the Seahawks need to work on or something that may have concerned you in this game? I mean, if we're just to, to kind of stick with offense for the for the time being, the the biggest negative I saw on offense is we're we're still having a lot of trouble uh, with any any kind of running up the gut and and maintaining the, the line of scrimmage uh, with those interior offensive linemen. Uh, Gino wasn't under pressure all day, which is good, but generally that was because we were we were scheming him either outside the pocket or making sure that the ta a guard was pulling on those run plays, which really kind of helps create. Uh, enough uh, blockers along that offensive line to get something going, um, but we, there were quite a there were at least three or four plays where he was under duress almost from from the the snap because people were able to to penetrate right up the center there. Uh, luckily, they didn't result in any negative plays. We didn't give up a sack this game. Gino definitely took a few hits, but even those those times when he was taking hits, uh, we had some pretty positive plays. So they would. So despite we obviously recognize what our issues are along the offensive line, and we are at least starting to scheme so that those do not become glaring during the game. Other than that, the I mean, not a ton of negatives. I mean, you know, we I don't think we used our timeouts this game, so nothing there, nothing, nothing to kind of get on the coaching staff about time management. Uh, we only had one false or sorry, one delay a game. There were two failed uh, challenge attempts, which negated two timeouts. So okay, but yeah, those those two those two challenges. I don't think that Pete was uh, wrong in, in throwing those challenge flags. I, I think the second one was more about giving us time to kind of reset and have them take a look at that play. That first one, for sure, I, I, I agreed with the challenge. Um, I, it could have gone either way. It, it didn't go our way, so we, we, we lost a, a timeout. We ended up not needing them anyway. I think Pete Carroll used those challenges as timeouts because the first one, yes, it was kind of a 50-50 situation. There was a chance they could have overturned the call. Um, I think he used it more to break the momentum of the Lions for that first one. Second one, there was, what, two minutes, five seconds left in the game. He was about to lose his ability to, to challenge anyway. The Lions were rolling down the field. That, once again, was a great use of a challenge to uh, break the momentum of the other team. And it's still a stoppage of play, so you still get to use it like a timeout. There's just the added benefit that, oh, well, maybe they'll overturn the call and we'll go in our favor. This game was very well coached. Uh, even even on defense, there were only a few times where I saw that we were kind of not in a position to make a good play. Uh, I think our biggest thing is, which I which I said I was going to be fine with if this was if this was the case, and that was TJ Hawkinson dominated the center of the field on offense for 
for the Lions. He was pretty much always open in, in, a, in a giant gap where there was pretty much nobody anywhere near him. Uh, there were at least uh, two, two of his catches where I don't think anybody was within 10 yards of him, which is not great. Uh, but the great thing, the, the only positive there is, you know, even though TJ is a great, he, he's a great receiver. He's he's a very good, well-rounded tight end. He's not gonna he's not gonna get ten yards on those plays because he's not that fleet of foot. Uh, but he still shouldn't be <laughs> be that open. But yeah, uh, on defense again, the biggest thing is the run game. We can't stop anybody. And you know, look, Williams is a good running back. Uh, it's not like we were up against you know some guy off the street. Uh, so, and he didn't get over, he didn't get 181 yards like we gave up to, to Patterson a week ago, but he still got yards in bunches, uh, and he scored. I, I do want to mention that scoring play that he had though, uh, or sorry, the, 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 the second one where we went over the top, that was a really good stand by us on the goal line. Uh, they went for it on fourth down and he just, you know, they had half a yard to go and he went over the top. We probably could have known that was going to happen and, and, and done something about it, but you know, it's really hard to stop somebody four times in a row from one yard out. It is. It is. And and we they did a great job. Yeah. we Yeah. Uh, you know, again, uh, I do think that that we're, the defense is there. There's still positive things to take away from the defense. But the, the biggest thing is the run game. We we just can't stop anybody. Uh, and when we when we get to a team where their passing game is 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 clicking better than the Detroit Lions is. Um, and they're able to do play out they're able to you know have play action and, and create plays off of those giant chunk runs we're gonna be in trouble you know you gotta look at this golf through for a hundred yards in the last seven minutes of the game I mean that's that's pretty mind-boggling we know the run defense is bad but really this game kind of exposed that we are having coverage issues as well M maybe not matchups I mean our rookies are playing really well Mike Jackson's playing really well but I think some of the coverage schemes are having breakdowns within people dropping other players off into different zones. Uh, we're having problems with uh, people switching when they should be switching. There's just some little things. I think the coaching staff is going to get on it, but we definitely expose some coverage problems. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson was, was pretty good about showing us where where those those were. Uh, we we had several, uh, you know, not to bash Jordan Brooks. I think he played a good game overall, but in coverage, he uh, he really was not carrying guys into the next zone at all. He he definitely pulled up pretty pretty short on a couple of those uh, those zone coverages, uh, allowing somebody to get open pretty deep behind him uh, before he was into the next guy. What what I would assume was the next guy's area. Uh, we can talk about you know Cody Barton, uh, who I think everyone is talking about. I, I'm not going to bash him because I don't think he played that bad of a game. Uh, there were definitely you know he had the same problems a lot of people were having bad angles. Uh, the biggest one was of course that sideline tackle on uh, TJ <laughs> attempt on TJ Hawkinson. That ended up giving up, uh, I, you said it was like a, almost a, what, 80 plus? Yeah, 81. Yard, or how, how big was the play? 81 yards. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge play. Huge play that, that could have been ended within within 15 yards of, of the catch, uh, but instead went to, it, you know, near the five-yard line. That was the big one. So so with that one, I, I am huge on fundamentals. Uh, part of that is the former coach in me. Uh, part of that is just, I like paying attention to the little details of things. He had been being blocked by the running back and he had a fraction of a second to react to TJ Hawkinson. So he probably didn't realize he was two or three yards from the sideline thinking they were on the sideline and just went to push him out. He threw a forearm up to the shoulder neck area of Hawkinson who countered with a stiff arm, 
Well, that stiff arm kept Barton from being able to deliver the full force, and the resulting play was an 81-yard reception. But if Cody Barton yeah, would have instead... I'm not, sure, I'm not sure he knocks TJ down or out of the bounds anyway. But. Well, but if he would have been able to deliver the full force, perhaps Hawkinson would have gone out of bounds. What I'm saying, though, is regardless of that, we're seeing a trend across all levels of football where players are not approaching tackles with proper technique. A lot of guys are thinking they can just push somebody. Or, oh, if I just throw a forearm in there, someone's going to go down. Listen, go watch Ray Lewis, who I think is one of the best linebackers to ever play this game. He never tackled somebody with just a forearm. The, the, the NFL Hall of Fame would agree with you. Uh, exactly. For me, if Barton would have reached out to grab Hawkinson, at least, you know, grab some jersey. He had the front of Hawkinson. If he could have grabbed the front of his uh, shoulder pads, that's not a horse collar tackle. He could have regrouped and rode him to the ground, just giving up a first down. Guys are looking for the hits. They're looking for the impact and they're not wrapping up. And I think that was a key example of somebody just going for uh, an arm tackle or just kind of reaching out there and not trying to use proper technique. And we still saw that a couple and, and out of out of veterans, uh, we, we're still seeing a, a few of those. Uh, Josh Jones, who I think played a good game, definitely had a few of those where he, you know, instead of trying to wrap a guy up, he was, you know, I'm going to bear a shoulder down on you. And yeah, sometimes it can work. He's a big enough guy and he certainly got enough force that that can work sometimes. But this game, it wasn't working. Like people were just kind of rolling off of him and gaining an extra three or four yards before going down. And usually that was because somebody else was there to wrap them up, uh, i.e. Cody, uh, Kobe Bryant at the goal line. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's the it's the the biggest the biggest concern I have coming out of this game is the same as the biggest concern I've had the entire year, and that is we our defense is not fundamentally sound. Um, and is that players? Is that scheme? Is that coaching? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say it's coaching when when it's Pete Carroll as our head coach and his biggest. I mean, you know, wrapping it. You know, there's a reason why they have the Seahawks tackle technique was a big deal for a long time because it's it's all about wrapping the guy up and we uh we definitely did not see a lot of that this game we haven't seen we've, we've seen a lot of that not happening all year so that's still concerning and and i think that is is still the biggest concern i have with the defense going forward is we're just not sticking to fundamentals we're, we're just not playing smart football there's an onus that definitely falls onto the coaching staff because this is not a one week problem that we have had issues tackling since week one of the preseason. I mean, you don't want to put NFL players back in peewee tackling drills, but listen, if you got to do what you got to do, the coaching staff has to get out there and has to put these guys in a place to succeed. And by doing that, they need to drive home the fundamentals and get back into tackling drills. Listen, dig the Hawk tackling out. Maybe that wasn't a Pete Carroll thing. Maybe it was some of the other coaching staff and Pete Carroll was like, that's amazing. Let's do that. And now that we have different defensive coaches, they're going away from the secure tackling that we've done in the past. Yeah, I mean, you you, you could be you could be right. So it's one of those where we just need to see what they do. Yeah, but I, the only the only pushback I would have on that is we've seen that solid technique through several defensive coordinators. It's really just this last year, or the, you know this year a little bit la not I, again. I, we didn't see a ton of it. With Ken Norton Jr., we didn't see a ton of it. Uh, with Dan Quinn, we didn't see a ton. You know, I mean, Gus, Gus um, Bradley. Thank you, Gus Bradley. I mean, we've had several defensive coaches that have that have been able to 
to utilize this tackling technique and and make sure the players are using it. Uh, so, but do you know what else we had on those yes, teams? It's, some, it's it's not just the different coaching staff. We had different veteran player leadership on those teams. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, again, uh, I'll, I'll go back to the thing that I the biggest disappointment from this off season is that Bobby Wagner is not still a Seahawk. Um, because I think that would that would be a pre- I, I do I think that that if Bobby Wagner was still on this team, do I think that we'd still be seeing some of these issues? Yes. Do I think that we'd be seeing as many people out of uh, out of position or as uh, as much uh, given up in the run game? No, no, I do not. Yeah, you could be right. Part of that could be veteran leadership. It's not like we don't have veteran leaders leaders on this team though. Uh, Quander Diggs, uh, you know, being one of them. Um, you know, and you know, Al Woods. I mean, we have we have veterans that that have taken that have, have kind of filled in that leadership gap, but it, it, it's it's still not fixed. And that and that I guess that, you know that's the biggest concern I have now. Biggest concern I have going forward is that those issues that we saw starting with the preseason this year have continued happening, and it's now week four of the season. So I don't know if and when these things are going to get fixed, but until they are fixed. Uh, our offense is going to have to be scoring 20 plus points every single week. One thing that I noticed is uh, Walker going back to the draft. One of the things that was kind of a negative on him was not so much a willing blocker and his blocking skills were not quite up to that of a three down NFL running back. We saw that in this game. They gave a few series specifically to Walker and he, he frankly just looked really bad blocking. So I hope they get in there. They can shore up some of that technique. Otherwise, he's going to have to come off the field, especially on third down. And that really exposes Homer being on injured reserve. I know DJ Dallas is stepping in. He's doing a good job in that role. But Homer was a pretty darn good blocking back. And uh, we're kind of starting to see him missed in that lineup. One thing that I do want to point out is, uh, why is Lockett on punt returns? Why is Tyler Lockett out there returning punts? Exactly what I was just going to talk about. Good. There is no reason for Tyler Lockett to be out there returning punts. Uh, not Look, regardless of, of whether or not he should be out there, that fumble is on him. That that was that was bad. You know, he he did not get the he was not securing the ball. That was a bad play. I put that that fumble 100% on Tyler. But he shouldn't be out there in the first place. We have so many other players on this team that could easily return punts and have experience doing so. We have D. Eskridge, who he has not been incorporated heavily into this offense. He's been getting a few plays, and he's been, you know, I guess, I don't want to say he's been making an impact because he hasn't, but he's been out there on, on the offense, which is good. But he was a punt return specialist or a return specialist in college. He can be returning the ball. We have another veteran in in, in Goodwin who has punt uh, return. Uh, he he was the primary punt returner his first two years when he was in San Francisco. He could be returning punts. Anybody except for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and 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 Rashad Penny could be out there returning punts, and I wouldn't care who it was. But no more Tyler Lockett on punt returns. Don't do it. Yeah, I will echo that. I will add to it. If they want to use Tyler Lockett on punt returns, they need to use him like they used Percy Harvin in the Super Bowl, which is we have this guy. He's great at it. We're going to put him in there when we need a spark, when we need that big momentum shift. Oh, here comes Tyler Lockett. That if they want to use him, use him like that. 
Sure. I guess if we're behind in if we're behind in a game and we need something, that's fine. We were never behind in this game, so there was no reason for Tyler to be out there on punt returns, and he was out there for three of them. Oh, for sure. Uh, my last bit of uh, we'll say constructive criticism for the team is they need to find somebody who can cover <laughs> big, big guys. Uh, listen, that was kind of Jamal Adams' sweet spot. He was out there to go cover those tight ends to be that guy and we don't have that guy anymore. Listen, Ryan Neal couldn't do it. Jordan Brooks couldn't do it. Cody Barton couldn't do it. Josh Jones couldn't do it. Listen, we got to find somebody who can cover an athletic tight end. I see, I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with this and say that no, we're not, we don't need to try and, we need to stop trying to find that guy in our defense again. He's not there. He's, he's on injured reserve. He's not going to play again this year. We need to change that scheme. We've already said bracket coverage. I don't care if we're double covering a guy, whatever it is, but there's no reason for somebody like TJ Hawkinson, who we know is going to be a target monster and is too big to be putting on just a cornerback and too fast for just a linebacker. We already know this, so we need two guys on him. I mean, you know, just do it. Is that going to give, is that going to maybe uh, put our our uh, corners out on a little bit of an island? Yeah, it is. And they're going to have to, they're going to have to do it. But I have no problem with that because I think our corners have been playing really, really well. Yes, they're you know they're still a little bit inexperienced. They're going to give up some plays, but there's no there's no long plays happening on Tariq Woolen's side of the field. He may give up the catch because he's not in position, but he'll get to that guy and make the tackle. There's no no one no one's going to outrun him to the end zone. As, as far as Mike Jackson goes, yeah, he's giving up catches, but no one if he wraps you up, he wraps you up. He 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 is a solid tackler for sure. And he's good at he's also good at run support. Uh, Kobe Bryant, same thing. He's definitely let some guys get get catches on him, but he's stayed with his man. Uh, maybe giving a few too many yards in in bump sometimes, but he but they're there. So if we're gonna put anybody out on an island, let it be those cornerbacks on the edge. Uh, but uh, yeah, as far as uh, over the middle big guys, we need yeah bracket coverage or just double cover them with a safety and a linebacker. Because one guy's not going to do it. There's no one guy on this team that's going to do that. All right. Well, that's enough of the negative. Let's let's not dwell on the negative. Uh, how about the positive things? Uh, Adam, what were some of your positive takeaways from this game? Well, keeping with uh, the cornerbacks that we were talking about uh, going in, finishing up uh, the last segment, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen both had huge plays in this game. Uh, both, both, both were turnovers. Woolen's in particular was great. It was his first pick six. Uh, of the season, uh, and it was it was it was a thing of beauty. Uh, he read the route, under undercut the route. Uh, I believe it was T.J. Hawkinson running a dig route in the middle of the field, and he ran it with him, and then accelerated through, got the interception, and it was just a quick yeah, forty yards to the end zone. And when I say quick forty yards to the end zone, I mean quick. He was lightning fast. Uh, no one had a had a had a chance to catch that kid once his, his he turned on the wheels. Um, that that was probably the most impressive defensive play of the game. I think a close second was uh, Kobe Bryant's peanut punch. He uh, it, he was on coverage. Uh, he he was with the guy. Definitely definitely uh, maybe gave up again a little bit too much of a push or or a um, a, a pad there um, on coverage. Uh, but he stayed with his guy as soon as the guy caught the ball. He was there to make the tackle and he wrapped him up with one arm and reached him with his other and just punched that ball out. And uh, that was that was that was a veteran style play. Um, I mean, he was very aware of what he was doing. He, he, he didn't, he wouldn't, even if he hadn't punched the ball out, he still would have nailed the tackle. Um, so that was great. That was, that was, that was a technically beautiful tackle and, uh, and, and punch out. I mean, those, those, those are my two biggest. So go ahead. 
Pete Carroll in the post-game press conference actually was asked about that Kobe Bryant forced fumble. And he said they've seen a lot of that in practice. It's sort of this natural ability that certain people have. And I mean, there are training aids out there for coaches at all levels to work on getting that ball, punching that ball out. But to actually be able to have the awareness to do it is kind of a rare skill. And we saw that with Peanut Tillman and how he uh, was able to do that so successfully through his career. And Pete Carroll said that Kobe Bryant's been doing this in practice. So this isn't new to the Seahawks. It's just new to us watching it from the outside. So I really hope he's able to hone that skill. And I'd love to see more of that coming out in the future. Like you were saying, that just takes, I mean, that there that is a skill set that not everybody has. Uh, and, and Bryant uh, apparently has it, which is great. I'd love to see this more throughout the year because I watching those two young corners make the plays that they're making this early in the season gives me just so much confidence in them. Uh, I think the, the biggest positive, you know, we, we talked about a negative that's, that's I think going to carry us all year long. I think the positive that should be carrying us all year long is the young guys on this team are making plays. And, and that's, that's important. I mean, whether it's, whether it's those two cornerbacks, uh, whether we're talking about Boye Mafe, our two, ta- our two offensive tackles. I mean, we had a generational draft I think. Uh, I mean, this is right up there with our 2013 draft, uh, or sorry, 2012 draft, where we got um, Bobby Wagner and um, Russell Wilson. Uh, I think, you know, the, the the two drafts before that, when we got both Cam Chancellor and, um, and Earl Thomas, uh, you know, and then the draft in between those two, where we got, you know, Richard Sherman. Uh, look, we're, we, uh, there, there's been a lot of talk about whether or not the Seahawks knew how to draft still. Uh, and this, this I think, puts that to bed pretty easy. Clearly, John Schneider still knows what he's doing in that, in that GM office. Oh, yeah. That was a great draft. And uh, we got to see it a lot. Like you said, it's not just the corners. It's not just the, the rookie tackles. It's everybody. Boye Mafe is easily the second best rushing linebacker on the team. I don't know why he's not starting. But he is clearly the number two guy behind Nwosu. It'll let's see him start that. Yeah. Um, so look, that's five rookies. There are rookies uh, contributing all over the place. And let's not forget. Yeah, I mean, and we still have guys on special teams. Yeah, we've got guys on special teams. We've got guys who are injured and not going to miss this year, who have huge upside, huge potential. I think you're right. I think this draft class is really going to end up being one of the best draft classes in Seahawks football history. You know, I know Pete Carroll has been saying this is not, you know, he hates the term rebuild. This is not a rebuild. This is a retool. Well, if this was a rebuild, we did it in one year because we we now have a, a fantastic base going forward. Uh, look, again, we, we've got struggles on defense that I think are going to gonna haunt us maybe all this year until we really solidify uh, what we're doing in this scheme. But we certainly have the guys to make, uh, to, to build a great team going forward, a, a championship team going forward. Um, you know the offense. If we if we if our defense somehow writes the ship this year and we we can find and we can hold somebody under 100 yards on the ground, uh, there's no reason why this team can't win the majority of its games. I mean, I'm not I'm not calling for postseason or, or championship run or anything like that, but certainly this offense can carry us through several of our games. The defense is going to be the issue, and that doesn't mean the offense isn't going to have its struggles. We you know again week two we saw that they can definitely struggle. Uh, if they're not on the same page. Uh, but this was the first, I think, complete game we've seen from uh, a play calling standpoint where we did our, we played our game. We said, okay, this is, 
this is what is working. We know, and we know where we can take advantage in this game. And you know, sometimes sometimes we change it up a little bit. We were doing a lot again, a lot more runs to the outside. Now, part of that was because the Detroit Lions decided that they just weren't going to have a second level on several plays. Everyone was just going to be up on that line. Uh, and we have the guys with the speed on the outside that once they get there, they're gone. Uh, I.e. Rashad Penny. We, we talked earlier about you know, whether or not they're, they're, they're going to draft a quarterback. I think they are going to draft a quarterback in this next draft. I think they will draft a, high, a quarterback high in this next draft. Is it going to be first round? It doesn't have to be. I don't think it needs to be a first round pick. I think we, if we think a guy, we can get a guy that we can develop and we think he's going to be the, the best person for our scheme in the second or third round, then I, I have no problem with them doing that. Um, because I think Gino has shown that he can carry this offense if he needs to. And uh, I have, uh, yeah, no, no, no fear going forward. Uh, this future is still bright in Seattle. Oh, for sure. It's especially bright if we keep calling plays the way we were this past game. I really need to look. I haven't seen a breakdown yet. I have not charted the game out, so I haven't seen exactly what the run pass ratio was. But we were using tight ends throughout the entire game, which is something I really wanted to see. We said that as one of our keys to success for this game. They use tight ends early they use tight ends often there were tight ends in on most of the major runs which keeps the attention of those linebackers plus when those guys are blocking it helps out the offensive line so i love the use of the tight ends i think geno smith was balling listen he made what i like to call big boy throws most quarterbacks out there can make those throws towards the sideline can make those throws where they've got that safety blanket out there where nobody can come from the other side of where the ball's at. Geno Smith is making pinpoint accurate throws down the middle of the field. He's putting balls where other quarterbacks that we may have been used to watching in the past few years would not have thrown. That first touchdown pass to Disley was a thing of beauty. Just over the defender, squeezing right down on the seam right there in the middle. Oh, it was fantastic. And it was a breath of fresh air. That was perfect placement because again, you've got, you've got the defender on the inside of Disley that whole time. And you and, and Gino knew, okay, all I have, if, if I'm just aiming for his outside shoulder, Disley, all he has to do is turn and catch that ball and there's no way for the defender to reach it. Uh, and it was placed perfectly. I mean, literally Disley turned his head and the ball was right there. Uh, and that were most of G that was most of Gino's passes. Uh, you know, th th these were passes he was passing on time. Uh, and what that means is the receiver knows, okay, I'm going to go however many yards down the field, make my break, and look for the ball. And the ball was there every single time. Uh, yeah, Gino. Look, Gino is right now. I think he's still the is he still the only quarterback with a hundred plus rating uh, all, all so far all season. Uh, he's pretty. If if not, he he's one one of very few. Uh, he was the only one going into week going into this week. Uh, he's also uh, he he's almost eighty percent a passing percentage. He has like seventy seven plus passing percentage right now. The man's playing great. I mean, he's he he is he's just playing great. Uh, no notes for Gino, none. Uh, I will say this: uh, watching Gino take off and run and 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 outrunning linebackers is amazing. I, I mean, there was you know I think the the big thing that they kept saying you know he's not really known for his uh, his athleticism. And I'm like, well, he was when he was coming out of college. Um, he, I mean, he wasn't known as a, as a dual threat quarterback, but he was an athlete, uh, coming out of college and he's showing that he still has that, that athleticism. Yeah. There are two plays that come to mind, uh, for me, from a play calling standpoint and that, uh, there's one, it was a play action play. The running back slid out 
towards the left and there was a screen look to the left. But off that play action, Gino had the option to boot to the right. And when he booted to the right, he had wide receivers running routes off to the right. So it was a dual purpose play. And Gino opted to take the boot and hit a receiver. The screen also looked open. So plays like that are really good for what our weaknesses are on offense because it gets motion for the plays and we don't have to worry about the interior offensive line uh, clogging things up for us. Another play that had the same feel to it late in the game, it was on Rashad Penny's last touchdown. This play was a thing of beauty. If you watch both Cross and Lewis pull on that play, they cross right in front of Penny, they lead the way, they blow up that right side, and Penny is able to just turn the Jets on and go score that touchdown. Watching these pulling linemen out there and watching these counters and off-tackle runs that we have is really showing me that this offense is starting to work on the issues that it's having. They're identifying these weaknesses and they're scheming and play calling in order to not have these weaknesses expose us. And so it's something I like to see. I want to see it in the future. This has been something I've been critical of Waldron of so far this year. And I really like that. I'm starting to see these type of play calls happening for the offense. Yeah, I, I, I like that he's not, look, I, I understand that he, you know, he wants to show that he has a great offensive mind. And so I, I still think he might be prone throughout the year to try and throw in those trick gadget plays. I, I don't mind one or two a game, uh, I, especially if we've got the lead. I love that he's 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 identifying, okay, what's working, what's not working, going away from not, what's not working and sticking with what is working. Uh, my favorite part about that 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 last touchdown run from Penny is that as soon as he got past the the line, he wasn't watching where I, I, I should this may be a little this could also be a criticism on Penny, but he's got the speed for it so it doesn't matter. but he was looking over his shoulder the entire time. I, I don't know in my mind he was laughing at the defense because there was nobody. There's nobody was going to catch him. And I don't think he was running at 100% speed because he was kind of skipping a little bit towards that, that last 10 yards into that end zone. I mean, no one was going to touch him. Uh, those plays are great. And and I think both him and Walker have the speed to get to that edge and and, and, and get past it. Um, I will say I would like to see more runs. You know, uh, Penny, he had over 20 touches this game, which is great. I'd like to see him have over 20 runs a game. Uh, because, uh, you know, if we, we, we ran for over 200 yards that game, it could have easily been more. I mean, they, they were not stopping the run, uh, you know, not to take anything away from the passing offense. We took our opportunities and it wasn't like we were passing when we shouldn't have been. No, I, I mean, the, 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 it's really hard to, to be critical of the offense at all. I mean, there were, there were a few plays when it was just a straight drop uh, where Gina was under pressure from, get, from the word go, but he got the ball out. Uh, we did, like I said before, we didn't take a sack in this game. No sacks. And that's always a nice a stat to see. G creating that, first of all, the, the line moving laterally, I think is is what uh, we need to be doing almost every play uh, because it creates that misdirection along the line, like you were saying about where we had those two two passing options, whether it was the screen or the open guy on the right. Um, those were pan those were great because every single time the tight end, the, the receiver, and it was usually a tight end on that on that right side was just wide open. Now they started to read it a little bit. Uh, we weren't getting the big the, the big yards that we were, but still they weren't covering it to where that guy wasn't open on the right. Uh, so those plays are working. Yeah, like I mean, it's it's hard to come up with a lot of notes for the offense because they the offense was just churning. Oh yeah, it was a great great display. I'm definitely gonna have to rewatch this game a few times. 
We're going to watch the All-22 so I can take a look at some specific players, see how they're doing, see how they're progressing. I'm excited to rewatch this game, plus it's always good to rewatch a win. Uh, but yeah, I, we have some news right before our final thoughts uh, that we kind of want to get out. There was uh, an injury in the game that I think is is of note, and that is the linebacker, our waiver claim pickup at the end of the preseason, uh, Daryl Johnson, uh, went out with a foot injury. And we're recording this on Monday, and so the news has already kind of come out. Pete Carroll alluded uh, that this injury is a a long-term, a multiple-week sort of recovery injury, uh, possibly a stress fracture in his foot. He did say there's a chance that he'll be back at some point this season. So I think that's a big, big knock for the defense. Uh, he was really uh, starting to come into his own, really impress some people out there on the edge. Yeah, it's gonna. It's it's. I mean, you know, we've we've already. You know, I don't want to keep bagging on Daryl Taylor, uh, but this means we're gonna see more of Daryl Taylor out there. Hopefully what that means is that with these with these opportunities still coming his way, he will eventually uh, he'll he'll just get better and better. I haven't seen a lot of progress week over week, so I'm not putting my cards on there uh, or putting putting all my chips out on the, on, on that um, bet. But we need to see more of the other guys on that other side. Uh, we already talked about Boy and Mafe. Um, he needs to be out there more often. Uh, I, I, you know, I, if it was a 50 50 split between him and him and Taylor, I'd, I'd be more comfortable than what it is now. Uh, because uh, Taylor is just not he he's good at rushing the passer um, he's good at getting penetration uh, but if the play calls for him to contain that edge he's not doing it still not doing it four weeks in and that's still the biggest knock on him is he just cannot set an edge um, whereas Mafe has shown he can yeah that's why the loss of Daryl Johnson is going to be felt what I'd like to see because my thoughts are Daryl Johnson's going to go on injured reserve uh, with that return designation. So at minimum of four weeks, I would like to see uh, elevated from the practice squad is Joshua Onajiogu to come up. I think he really flashed at the end of the preseason. I'd like to see what he can do against some first team type of players in the NFL. Yeah. Um, there also was another scare. I know sitting at home watching the game, my heart kind of sank when I saw DK Metcalf being carted to the locker room. I was like, oh no, this is not what we need. We finally got some offensive explosion. What is happening to our star receiver? And yeah, I think Adam has some more information on that. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I, if, you, if you were listening to the announcers, uh, they were trying to run through tape and see what the, what injury happened because he uh, he went from being out there to all of a sudden running to the sideline and then uh, they came and then drove the cart out. Uh, it, it was a bathroom break. The poor guy apparently had a big lunch or breakfast, I guess, since it's a 10 a.m. start. Uh, had a bit, had a big breakfast and uh, hadn't quite cleared the chamber. Uh, so apparently he just did not think he was going to make it if he tried to run to the locker room. Uh, and so our coaching staff was uh, was there to assist him by by getting him the the, the fastest vehicle they could find, uh, which apparently is our injury cart, and rushing him to the locker room so that he didn't have to miss too many plays uh, for having to change his pants, apparently. Uh, so, yeah, uh, thanks for the scare, DJ, or uh, DK. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, yeah, my heart also was, was in my chest, uh, in my throat for that. And uh, yeah, uh, it good, it, it's a it's a good anecdote. Uh, I think uh, you know, for as as high as high tension as that game was, because it was really back and forth the whole game. It was nice to have a little breath there when he came back out uh, on the field and everything was fine. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think we've all been in that situation where, you know, oh, sure. Hey, I got to take care of this right now. So, hey, thank you to for the uh, training staff being Johnny on the spot right there to uh, to help him take care of business, so to speak. Maybe just next time, let the sideline reporter know so that the people at home are not scrambling, wondering what happened. Where is DK going? Why is he on the on the cart? Um, well, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. I'm sure DK didn't want anybody to know what was going on. <laughs> oh, I mean, maybe I, you know, it, it, it's, it, that shouldn't be an embarrassing thing. I mean, all of us, anyone who's ever been in a, that position where we're like, oh, you know, I'm feeling like I gotta go. Everyone knows you don't try and run to wherever you're going because that's not going to help and they're out there running plays during this time so uh yeah i I imagine it went from uh went from bad to worse really quick for him uh and uh, and can certainly sympathize of course of course um all right well hey my final thoughts on this game are really that we're starting to see things clicking right i have real positive takeaways from the offense i don't have as many positive takeaways from the defense i have some coaching points that i want to see addressed and so for me, that's what I'm looking for in week five is what did they do coaching wise on the defense in response to what we saw during this game? Really like what the offense is doing. The offense is clicking. Geno Smith is balling out. I can't wait to see if this momentum picks up. If they just let Geno do what he's got to do on the field, he seems to have a really great grasp of this offense. And I love watching him work. And I could not have been more wrong about Geno Smith in the preseason when I was knocking him for the way he was performing. He's really coming to his own and I really like what I'm seeing. Look, you and everybody else, I mean, I, I there there was, again, like you said, there was nobody that was calling Geno Smith a, a franchise quarterback or even a starting quarterback, except for, you know, him, Pete Carroll, and maybe Geno's mom. For those out there, and there are still those out there, I on social media today, uh, someone said, you know, uh, if we had a real quarterback, this game wouldn't have been close. I don't care what quarterback you have out there, 48 points does not happen unless your quarterback is doing his job well on any offense. It doesn't, it doesn't look no, no, no below average quarterback is going to be putting up 48 points in a game. I mean, 50 burgers are really rare in the NFL and we came damn close to putting one up on the Detroit Lions. Uh, Geno Smith is a legit starting NFL quarterback right now. He is a top five quarterback in the NFL and that's just going off the numbers. I mean, you can, you know, talk about his history or whatever, but the way he is playing right now, he is a top five quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. And with that, that's our reaction to week four. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to uh, have you come around next week. As always, go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>